0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook?
0: Yep, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere.
1: Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah. I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook.
0: Got it. it Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. So, who is Lilith? We sure get to see a lot of her in Diablo 4 cinematic that they first showed publicly back in the fall of 2019. And she's clearly a very important part of the upcoming game. That much seems true. She's also clearly very tall, but I don't, that probably doesn't have anything to do with anything. But we know a few things about her at this stage. But what we don't know, we'll probably have to wait and find out when the game launches in June of next year. So let's do a little background on the Daughter of Hatred, the Queen of the Succubi, the Mother of Sanctuary, the Creator, the First Mother, the Blessed Mother. She has a bunch of names. She is, as briefly mentioned last week, the Daughter of Mephisto. He is the Lord of Hatred, and uh, she is also the Sister of Lucian, known to all sanctuary as the Queen of the Succubi, most, uh, well, earlier on in her career. Let's put it that way. And uh, once the lover of Archangel Anarius, and it was her reunion with him that led to the creation of the first Nephilim, as we discussed in the last episode of The Diablo Show. Side note, we're going to talk about Lucian on a, fu- a future episode of the show. Uh, Her brother is a wild one, to be sure. Definitely worth discussing. But that's not today. Take a quick listen, in her own words, how she was feeling about the eternal conflict, her father Mephisto, and her state of mind before meeting Anarius.
1: My father is content to fight the same battles and the same foes while everything turns to ashes. Though his victories might last a day or a year or a hundred years, the war will never be won so long as he and his brothers lead. There is an end to it. But fools like my father are too blind to see it.
0: So they called that eternal conflict the eternal conflict for a reason. This thing tended to drag on and on and on and on. Lilith got sick of her father's approach to it all and fell even more dissatisfied with the current leadership, which at the time was in the form of Diablo and Bale. Lucien was no help either and it was just as swept up in this war as her father, just as bloodthirsty. In one battle, and we talked again about this last week, Lilith took Angel as a prisoner. This turned out to be an Arius, Brought him to her lair as entertainment. It was for her amusement. Whatever that means in demon terms, I don't want to find out. Anyway, it came down to this. She was shocked that her touch seemed to have breathed new life into him. So Anor- Anarius awoke and sort of rambled incoherently about trying to escape the eternal conflict. She saw an opportunity in this.
1: I took a prisoner in the battle, an angel whose light was dimming. I brought him to my lair for my amusement, but he surprised me. My touch seemed to breathe life into him. He raved like a madman about how he wished to escape the war. Perhaps I
0: have found someone I can use. Mm, don't know if I trust that very much. Maybe, though. No. But if you hear Lilith tell the story, she was never really in love with Inarius. Only used him for her ends, it seems. And Inarius was certain that this was a true pairing. It was meant to be. And he meant it when he said that he was in love with her. But here's her side of all of that. I feel bad for the guy.
1: The angel I captured, Inarius, is in love with me. I can feel the intensity of his desire. I told him that we must liberate the Worldstone, and then we can be together. We will create something never imagined by those mired in the eternal conflict. A new world.
0: So if you heard last week's episode, and I assume a bunch of you did, you'll know all about what happened next. When she was told the only way things could move forward was to have her children, again, the Nephilim, us, her offspring. The only option was to have them destroyed. She was driven into a mad frenzy, and it was all at the prospect of her children's extinction. You can understand why a mother's grief would do that. She saw us as a necessary force to eventually end the eternal conflict once and for all. We were the ones that were supposed to end the war. That was her plan. So in this fit of anger, she morphed into a new, truly horrible form and hunted down her fellow renegade. She killed anyone that would follow Anarius or got behind him. And this is when a grieved and horrified Anarius banished her from sanctuary into the void. She could no longer... Uh, Hackett where she was and he could not bring himself to kill her because he both loved her and had committed to never harming her. Lilith was not entirely forgotten by time or history though. So she's in the void and even though this is over vast eons of time she was regarded as the first mother of humanity in legends religious texts and so on. So in the end she was gone that is until her first son Rathma with the aid of unwitting but willing souls and their blood sacrifice brought her back in the trailer we've all seen. Where things go from there We'll have to wait and see in June of 2023.
1: Hey, Scott. I don't have an Xbox Series X yet. Should I wait and see if there will be a D4 edition to go with my D3 Switch? Thoughts? smiling face with horns.
0: Dave, Dave, I'm afraid. I I, I, well, I you know what? Never say never, but I'm afraid I might have bad news for you. I don't think the Switch, maybe a Switch Two, a Switch Pro, whatever Nintendo's got planned next, but I don't think the current Switch is going to be able to play Diablo Four. They're not even putting out a Mac version of the game, and they have always put out Mac versions of Diablo, including three. Uh, Diablo Four is just a, a powerhouse and hog[s] way too much resources. I don't think the Switch is up to snuff for it. I really don't. They again, like I said, if Nintendo has a next gen piece of hardware coming soon or announced soon, I can see them you know doing an addition there even if they did i don't think it would be let's say they figure out a way to cram all that into a into a switch i don't think that they do it day and date anyway well we know they're not going to we know what the we know what the day and date launch lineup is and the switch is not included nor is a Mac version. Maybe they'll make an M2 or an M1 version of the the Mac version for those who bought into the silicon chips. But but yeah, I wouldn't get your hopes up for the Switch. The E3 on the Switch is quite good. I like it on there quite a bit. I like the console versions of Diablo 3 uh, in general. They're good on all the consoles. Um, But if you end up with a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series S or X, great place to get Diablo 4 uh, when it launches. If not, the PC is going to be your only option, I'm afraid. I really wish... Nintendo would hurry up and get new hardware out because I think that means a flood of different kinds of games, this included, could show up there and I'm kind of here for it. Oh, looky here, we have some news for the week. Diablo 4 followers confined to the RPG's games campaign for now. So you, you're like, what are you talking about, followers? Do you remember in Diablo 2, you would hire mercenaries, basically, back at camp, and they'd come with you? In Diablo 2, they could die. So it was actually kind of an expensive prospect if you let them die, especially on harder levels. Uh, that was a bummer, I thought. So I mostly ran solo in Diablo 2 because I just, I couldn't handle managing this stupid character. However, in Diablo 3, they introduced followers in a very different way. They said, look, there are these three. One is basically a tank. One is magical and does buffs and stuff. And the other is DPS. And these characters uh, you'll meet throughout the campaign. And then from that point forward, you can hire them. Or if you just start a game in adventure mode, you can hire them right away in, in uh, camp. And by hire them, I just mean say, hey, come with me. You don't actually pay them anything. And they go with you and they fight alongside. And they actually come with some fairly useful buffs. I know these are controversial, okay? I know in the Diablo community, there's a lot of back and forth about whether or not the companions are anything you want, or followers rather, mercenaries, whatever you want to call them. I liked them in D3. A lot of people didn't. You didn't have to bring them with you in, th- in D3. You could do their, their campaign bit and then leave them. But yeah, they, they were a thing. And there's still a thing. Now, what does Diablo 4 have in mind? Well, speaking to League Class designer Adam Z. Jackson, this was after the Diablo 4 gameplay preview that just happened, the very positive one. Lauren Bergen of PC Games asked whether or not the follower system would be more akin to that of Diablo 2 or Diablo 3, if there was going to be one at all, and this was his answer. Quote, we don't have anything to announce about Diablo 2 type followers that you hire. We're sticking sticking it into the campaign for now. A little bit ambiguous, isn't it? Uh, Lauren, who wrote this article, noted in her play of the D4 preview, she only encountered helpful NPCs who stuck around for a dungeon or two and then rode off into the sunset. So she didn't have any that stuck around or were part of, you know, the permanent scene there. She went on to say, quote, when I asked Jackson how the game's follower function will work, they stated, quote, for launch and for the version of the game at launch, we will have some places in the story in particular where you will have certain named NPCs follow you and help you out as you figure out what Lilith is doing in the world, unquote. So will we end up with proper followers throughout the campaign? The answer is there i mean yes or no it's there but blizzard isn't answering it they're not saying quite yet my prediction is this i do think they'll be there for the end game stuff that you want to play alone i think you'll be able to pull people with you and that by that i mean npcs followers you know whatever you want to call them. And I think they will behave and work a lot like Diablo 3, but maybe with Diablo 2's death system for those said companions. In Diablo 3, they just would take a knee, you know? You hurt him bad enough, the Templar, and he'd just go, oh, and he'd get on his knee and he'd sit there for some determined amount of time and then he would come back to life, which I didn't love. I thought that was kind of lame. Well, it was just, I don't know, it just wasn't very, what's the word? Realistic isn't the right word, because we're talking about Diablo, but you know what I mean. Like, I think there should have been more danger for them. So, if I were to pick, I would like the system that was in Diablo 3, but make them a little more, um, I don't know, make them more tangible, and not just a walking, talking buff, because that's really what they behaved like, you know? Like, make it, make it matter if one of them dies. And then I think you've roped me in if you guys do that. Hi, Scott. In terms of cross-platform play, If I buy Diablo 4 on Xbox, is it possible to play via xCloud on PC as well? Not a ton of information on how this works. Thanks. Murray. Thanks for the text, Murray. My answer to this is possibly. But this deal with Activision Blizzard hasn't gone through with Microsoft yet. And even if it did, we don't know for sure that Diablo 4 would be included with Game Pass. As it stands right now, the technology behind Game Pass and just sort of the systems of Game Pass mean this. If you own an Xbox and you own a PC and you own a tablet or a phone or some other you know a browser on an old notebook or something, all of those things can coexist via you're playing it raw off the hard drive on the PC or the console, or you're playing it via xCloud on some other device. And that includes the console or the PC for that matter. You can play xCloud anywhere you want to go. But that's only games that are on Game Pass. If Diablo 4 launches as a paid-for-only title, you know, let's, let's assume that the deal with Microsoft goes through. If it's a paid-for-only title and it's not part of Game Pass at launch, then the current Game Pass would not have it as part of xCloud. The, the cloud part of it is not included with games that are just retail games on the platform, on the PC side or on the Xbox side. If it was part of Game Pass, it would be. Now, Microsoft has said a couple of times in some vague interviews that Phil Spencer wants to make it so that even games that you purchased via game or sorry, just purchase outright retail paid money for them and they're not part of Game Pass. He wants to make it so those are also accessible and playable via the cloud. So in that scenario, assuming that they do that, then you will get your wish. If they don't get the ABK deal done, none of this is happening regardless. Right, because Microsoft won't own it, therefore it's not going to be part of XCloud. Um, if they allow third-party stuff, like I mentioned, then maybe you're back in business. But again, the game would have to be well. That's yeah. it's again. it's the thing that Microsoft's hinting at, but they haven't made you know they haven't confirmed it, so I can't confirm it either. But I'm with you. I kind of hope that's where things go. Hi, from what we know so far, what class looks the most interesting for you to play, and why? Do you have any thoughts on their revealed itemization information? ryan from boston all right i'll focus on classes for a second ryan and thank you for uh, your text uh, by the way all these texts are coming to us at 801-471-0462 801-471-0462 if you'd like to send a text to the diablo show and have it on the show as it stands right now i have my eyes pretty squarely on two classes in particular and it might seem boring because these two classes already exist in both diablo 2 and diablo 3 and that is the Barbarian and the Necromancer. I'm a sucker for Necromancers in any game. If you tell me your RPG uh, game has Necromancer-style characters in it, I'm in. That's what I do. I love them. I'm a huge fan. So I'm kind of all in on that. And for whatever reason, what I've seen gameplay wise from the barbarian, it just looks like this is a meaty, beefy, amazing uh new take on the on the whole barbarian thing. I'm a little bit interested in druid, but I'm not sure yet. That's that's I mean, I'll play all these classes, there's no question. But like what will I crack open first? It's almost assuredly necro. So here's my list of how I want to go. Necromancer first, barbarian second, probably sorceress third druid fifth or fourth rather and rogue fifth uh the rogue is the least interesting to me then i have friends where that's the complete opposite my my friend john jagger is you know is there oh there's a rogue well then i'm in (laughs) so i think this list is probably reversed for him uh he'd have to say to be sure and maybe he'll write in i don't know but um but yeah they they I'm, i'm very excited about it in particular the uh, so these are the skills they've got as as announced. You have darkness skills uh, for the necro uh, bone skills, blood skills, the army skills and book of the dead skills. And um, I'm getting a 404 error on some of the details here, which is annoying. But anyway, I think that all sounds pretty great. And uh, every class has got you know similar stuff for the druid you got things called spirit skills defensive skills wrath skills companion skills and ultimate skills Um, as an example of an ultimate skill they're really powerful abilities Uh, they have really long cooldowns so the word ultimate probably gives that away. And uh, they give you an extra burst, burst of damage when things are getting ugly. So for example, Grizzly Rage is a shape-shifting ability. You shape-shift into a werebear for five seconds. You're now granted new bear skills and regenerate spirit 28% faster. You are unstoppable while Grizzly Rage is active and you deal physical damage while in that form. There's others called uh, Cataclysm, which is a storm magic for him. Petrify, which is earth magic. I say him, it's because he's, Rept- represented in the in the uh the, the announcement is male but they you can choose male or female on all the characters i don't know if people are aware of that but they're all available to everybody in all the places you can be whatever you want to be which is pretty cool oh and i should mention that um the itemization stuff is coming up in our next news story which goes a little like this this is what we know about the codex of power did you guys hear about this this actually has me very excited so diablo Four has got this new feature it's called codex of power This allows gamers to specifically target buffs and passive bonuses that will augment their builds. And Blizzard has found a way to effectively turn in-game environments into something that is better than a legendary item. And this will all make sense in a second. The dungeons themselves, think of them, well, they are literally prefixes or suffixes from Diablo 2. Do you remember those? So uh, imagine being able to find some of the best buffs and stats from one item and affix them to other items. You get the idea. So I thought it'd be fun to break down how this works a little bit and why Codex of Power might be honestly the most massive addition to Diablo in a very long time. Maybe ever. Uh, according to Diablo Associate Game Director Joseph um, Pier Pierpioria, I'm not sure it says his last name, I, I apologize for butchering it. He explains this a little bit more and says, quote, the Codex of Power is a new crafting feature that we're bringing online in Diablo 4. We're really excited about it. As players are progressing through the massive interconnected world of Sanctuary, they're going to be discovering lots and lots of dungeons as they go. At the bottom of these dungeons, they are going to find what we call the Codex of Power Aspects. Uh, He goes on to say an aspect is effectively a legendary power. Every one of these dungeons that players progress through in the overworld has a unique legendary power via the aspect found inside them codex of power is basically a way to take these aspects and then go to a crafter uh in one of the major cities anywhere you want for example the new occultist crafter uh he then says when you go to this crafter they can hand off the power and you can imbue the uh, the aspect into an existing item so if you've already got some legendary you can now pump that power into that favorite sword that favorite bow that favorite staff whatever uh game director joe shelley added this what i love about this is that you can create a new character and can look at some of the powers that are available through these dungeons and say, okay, I really want to target this power. I'm going to go to this dungeon and get that power. So you're less dependent on hoping a power drops randomly. Gives the player a little bit of choice. So to kind of sum these things up, dungeons drop new loot called Aspects. We talked about that. Aspects are like gems with legendary powers. that can be imprinted into existing legendary items. That's just important to mention. This isn't going into your grays or your blues or whatever, right? These are legendaries uh imprinting an aspect replaces existing legendary abilities so you got to make some choices sometimes they'll be hard aspects have the low i mean th- that's kind of how it worked with the horadrum or the horadric uh cu- the newer cube in three you know you had to swap stuff out for other things anyway can't have that risk without that reward right or the other way around gamers can extract legendary power from legendary items using an aspect crystal which can then be so- uh, socketed into another item so you can that's a lot like the new cube was Anyway, there are over 120 dungeons in the game. As we mentioned, rares can be imprinted with aspects too. Oh, I my bad. Well, I guess I said blues. So yes, yellows, which I assume is still the color of the rares. Those can be, uh, they can have the aspects added to it. Not every legendary power can be found in dungeons though. So keep that in mind. I think overworld bosses, special quests, something like that. Aspects will drop for all classes, not just the one you are playing. All right. So that's cool. Legendary powers can be swapped between item slots and item types. So for my money, which I don't have any in the game, but if I had money in the game, I think that this thing, the Codex of Power, is maybe the coolest sounding thing. I mean, we'll see in practice, but I think it's the coolest sounding thing to happen to Diablo in a long time. As someone that has only played Diablo 3, I am worried I will be out of place in Diablo 4. Is this a real fear or just me being worried? I don't like the change. Well, I mean, are you? it depends on how much Diablo 3, I guess, you're playing. If you're playing constantly day and night and then suddenly a new game appears and you go immediately and play that, I mean, sure, you're going to notice the big changes. You're going to notice differences. Um, but take it, a, take it from somebody who played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of Diablo 3 and loved every second of it. And as somebody who's very much looking forward to 4, I have no problem with, with you know, I, I know it's going to be different. Of course, it will be. It's a new game, but I don't think you should fear that kind of change. This is a, you know, unless they completely blow it, a massive improvement to what you love and uh, it'll be, it'll represent all sorts of new things to do. It won't be just the same game you've been playing all this time. So I don't think you should be worried about that at all. I'm not saying uh, you're wrong or I don't want to judge why you're feeling that way. But I personally, I think that that is going to be not a worry for you. Remember, Diablo three came out in 2012. We have had that game for a long time, 2014 for its expansion uh, It's not new, you know, so it's not like we're saying here's a game in February and now you got to play this one in May. You know, you've you've had all that time, hopefully, unless you're just now starting. And in that case, play, you know, play it through. Get your get your fill. You got till June anyway. And uh, who knows? Maybe maybe you'll be even more prepared somehow. I don't know how that works, but good luck to you. Folks, that's going to do it for this edition of the Diablo Show, which is a weekly show. That means every time one comes on, your messages could be read and you can do it one of two ways. You can send me those texts, 801 471 or you can email us, thediabloshow at gmail.com, thediabloshow at gmail.com. For everything else, it's frogpants.com slash Diablo. And if you're in the mood, you can support us over at uh, patreon.com slash frogpants. Why not? Why the heck not? You can also follow the show on Twitter, The Diablo Show. That'll let you know when new episodes are, are live and that sort of thing. Of course, you can follow me at Scott Johnson. That's going to do it. We are getting ever closer to the magic that is a brand new Diablo game. I can't wait. More next week. We'll see you then. <laughs>
1: By the blood of the willing, we call thee home.
0: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Yes, get more at frogpants.com. Mit navn er Anders Mogentarder. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og
1: Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og for det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt.
0: Vi er alt alle de der podcast, og forklarer mig og der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulige
1: ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af.
0: Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjovt og med at have den her vidunderlige